Hello and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Tuesday, February 21st, 2023. I'm Mike Kachopoli. All right, how's everyone doing on this uh, big, big Tuesday night? Big Tuesday night. It is getting very cold <clears throat> out here in San Francisco. Very, very cold out here in San Francisco. In fact, they're predicting possibly some snowflakes in and around the city, in and around the city. California snow, California snow. <laughs> some snowflakes that won't hit the ground. Um, but it is definitely cold. And um, hey, look, we're, we're, we're almost out of winter, right? We're almost out of winter. <sighs> Spring is almost here. Uh, baseball's right around the corner. And soon enough, soon enough, we will be at, let's see, let me think, how many more days? Two weeks? Three weeks? Three weeks from now, we're basically at the three-year anniversary of 15 days to flatten the curve. Think about that. We're a couple of weeks away, three weeks away from the three-year anniversary of 15 days to flatten the curve. Has there ever been a bigger lie has there ever been a bigger lie than 15 days to flatten the curve? I don't know. Well, there might be one bigger lie. <clears throat> there might be one bigger lie than 15 days, and that is that Ukraine will win. If we keep giving them our money, if we keep giving them our weapons, Ukraine will defeat Russia. David will defeat Goliath, and all will be right in the world. All will be right in the world. That could be a bigger lie. That could be even a bigger, dumber lie than 15 days to flatten the curve, right? And yet people are buying it. You have Joe Biden going out there lying. This guy is just a such a political hack, such a, 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 a true political fucking empty brained hack. But what else is he going to? It's so obvious. It's such a predictable thing. That he would be 100% behind Ukraine. Oh, yeah, Ukraine going to win the war. They're going to win the war, Jack. They're going to win the war. Today he said the most dumb thing. I, you know, I, I lose track of how many dumb things Joe Biden says. What's the latest dumbass thing this feeble old fool says? But he says all across the country, in big cities and small towns, Ukrainian flags fly from American homes. Of course, that's totally bullshit. Total bullshit. A total lie. <laughs> Ukrainian flags are only flying online. They're only flying on, they're only flying from virtue signaling social media accounts, right? They're only flying on television. Virtue signaling pins we see of people wearing pins, people in the media wearing American flag and Ukrainian flag pins together, side by side, right? There are no Ukrainian flags flying in big cities and small towns. In fact, most of the small towns especially, yeah, the big cities, actually, the big city liberals, the big city leftists are more likely, are more likely uh along with the congressional lapels and neckties and the neckties and lapels we see on, on people on television, on uh, people who do talk shows. But in these leftist media circles, it's a big deal. But in middle America, 
Most people there don't want us involved. Most people there believe in America first, right? Most people there believe that this feeble old fool should have gone to East Palestine, Ohio, before he went to the Ukraine, right? That on President's Day, maybe he should have been in his own country, okay, helping people of his own country on President's Day and not people of a of a foreign country. As the mayor of East Palestine says, it was a big slap in the face to them that on President's Day, Biden goes to the Ukraine, makes a surprise visit to the Ukraine, and doesn't go to East Palestine, Ohio. Just, what, a few hundred miles from supposedly where he's from, right? Scranton? I say supposedly because I don't believe anything the guy says. Even I don't even believe his birthplace. This guy has lied so much over the last half century. But really, if you're from a birthplace which is just a few hundred miles from this city, you don't even go there? It's on the Pennsylvania border, and you're Pennsylvania Joe. He doesn't even go there? He doesn't even go there to visit these people like a real leader would do? Instead, he goes to the Ukraine and announces he's giving them even more money? He's giving them even more money? He's helping them. He's going to help them rebuild their cities and towns, but he's not going to help the people of East Palestine rebuild. He's not going to East Palestine and making a speech. He should be making a speech in East Palestine. Instead of making speeches in the Ukraine. He should be meeting with that mayor of East Palestine, shaking his hand, telling him everything's going to be okay. Not shaking the hands of Zelensky. Not shaking the hands of this uh, celebrity Small country leader turned celebrity because of supposedly the, the death and destruction of his, of, his, of his country and people in his country, he's gotten very popular. So Joe Biden can stand there and lie all he wants about all across his country, Ukrainian flags are flying. It's just one and another of the million and millions of lies that Joe Biden has told over the last half century. The polls more and more now are moving towards people coming to the final realization they've been lied to yet again, and they want to stop sending all of this money to the Ukraine. In fact, in recent polls, not that this is any shock, but Democrats are more behind this endless money machine than Republicans. Republicans want this money machine to end more than Democrats do. And that's, that's because their president is a Democrat. If this was Donald Trump giving all this money, you would not see Democrats saying we should continue doing it. They're simply doing it because it's their guy, right? Because it's their guy. So... The only way out of this, as I said yesterday, and as I continue to say, is to stop giving money. Is to stop giving money. That's it. Stop feeding the machine. We must stop feeding the machine. And that's all we're doing right now is feeding the war machine. Keeping this going. This is a virtue signal war. That's why what Biden says is bullshit. 
about everyone across the country flying Ukrainian flags. That's why it's bullshit. Because we know this is simply a virtue signaling war. It's a virtue signaling war among the elites. The elites get to virtue signal. The elites get to virtue signal how virtuous they are. Oh, we're so virtuous. We're so damn virtuous. Because we're fighting. We're helping a small guy fight a evil dictator. But once again, this is a very, very predictable response by Joe Biden. This is the response you would expect from a, a, a warmonger. Remember, he was 100% behind the Iraq war, too. No one talks about that. You know, when this guy, when this feeble old asshole talks about lies about Republicans wanting the party, the Republican Party, wanting to cut Social Security and Medicare, <clears throat> no one shows the videos of him on the Senate floor as a senator saying, I voted once, not twice, not three times, four times to cut Social Security, Jack. And I didn't just cut, I didn't just vote to cut Medicare. I voted to cut Social Security and Medicare and veterans benefits. No one shows those videos. No one shows those videos. Joe Biden has not told the truth at any point in his life as a, as a congressman, as a senator, as a vice president, or now as president. Certainly hasn't spoken the truth on any major issue which really matters. A major issue which really matters to people. But then he also lies about ridiculous small things that don't matter, right? Like how many hours he has spent on Amtrak, at teaching at university when he never did, at marching with Martin Luther King when he never did. These, these little things that no one really gives a shit about. He, uh, he still, he lies about that too, because that's what a, that's what a pathological liar does. They lie about everything. And when they get, you know, they get by on the small lies. They get away with the small lies, then they tell the big lies, and they get away with those also. And once you've done that for, well, decades, you're going to keep doing it. And that's what Joe Biden's done. But once again, no one is playing all the videos of him being for the Iraq war. No one's playing all the videos of Joe Biden promoting the Iraq war, being 100% behind it, which he was. Because he's a neocon. Neocons come in all shapes and sizes. They come in the size of Democrat. They come in the size of Republican. And Joe Biden's a neocon. He loves war. He loves feeding the war machine. He loves bloated military budgets. Then he loves throwing billions of dollars at another country. Trying to help win their war for them. Which, of course, is not going to happen. Which, of course, is absolutely not going to happen. So, as I promised, enough of me speaking. As I promised yesterday, there's an article uh, written in the New Yorker uh, by David Remnick uh, last week, and it's titled How the War in Ukraine Ends. And it's an eminent historian envisions a settlement among Russia, Ukraine, and the West. Um, and it really is about how things are not going the way the uh, legacy media says they're going in the in Ukraine, right? 
They're not going the way the, the legacy media says it's going. And the legacy media is, of course, lying to us about what happened. But it also gives a history, a history behind what's going on now. And the facts, the facts about exactly what's happening and what we've been told is happening, everything from the way the war is going to Putin's health to the uh, eventual outcome which, of course, people like Joe Biden continue to lie and say we're going to they're going to win as long as we stay in the game forever with no exit strategy, no end game. Just stay in it forever as he pledges a half billion dollars more in his latest gift to Zelensky. So how the war in the Ukraine ends by by David Remnick of The New Yorker. Last year, not long after Vladimir Putin ordered the invasion of Ukraine, I, re- I turned to the historian Stephen Kotkin for illumination and analysis. I've been doing that for good reason since the final years of the Soviet Empire. Kotkin has published two volumes of projected three-part biography of Stalin and his works on the dissolution of the Soviet Union and aftermath are without peer in their precision and their depth. After spending more than 30 years in Princeton, he's now a Stanford. In our conversation last year, we delved into the nature of the Putin regime, his decision to invade, and what the war could look like as time unfurled. Now we know the Russian invasion has been a catastrophe in every sense. There have been hundreds of thousands of casualties. It is folly to attempt a more accurate reckoning, and much of Ukraine's infrastructure is in ruins. Once the Russian military failed to achieve its early hope of taking the capital, Kiev, and supplanting the Ukrainian leadership, it has prosecuted a vicious war of attrition in which more and more human beings on both sides sides are sacrificed to Putin's pitiless ambitions. Kotkin is a top-flight scholar, but his ties to the subject are not limited to the archives and the library. He is well-connected in Washington, Moscow, Kiev, and beyond. His analysis of the war draws on his conversations with sources as well as his own base of knowledge. We spoke again last week and our discussion, which appears in different form on the New Yorker radio hour, has been edited for length and clarity. So the question is, last year you told me at a very early stage of the war that Ukraine was winning on Twitter, but that Russia was winning on the battlefield. (laughs) A lot has happened since then, but is that still the case? Unfortunately, let's think of a house. Let's say that you own a house and has 10 rooms. And let's say that I barge in and take two of those rooms away and I wreck them. And from those two rooms, I'm wrecking your other eight rooms, and you're trying to beat me back. You're trying to evict me from the two rooms. You push out a little corner. You push out another corner, maybe. But I'm still there, and I'm still wrecking. And the thing is, you need your house. That's where you live. It's your house, and you don't have another. Me, I've got another house. And my other house has a thousand rooms. And so if I wreck your house, are you winning or am I winning? Unfortunately, that situation we're in. Ukraine has beaten back the Russian attempt to conquer the country. They defend their capital. They've pushed the Russians out of some of the land that the Russians conquered since February 24th, uh, 2022. They've regained about half of it. And yet they need their house and the Russians are wrecking it. Putin's strategy could be described as, I can't have it. Nobody can have it. Sadly, that's where the tragedy is right now. Next question is, How do you even begin to analyze Putin as a strategic figure in this horrendous drama? Well, he's not a strategic figure. 
people kept saying he was a tactical genius, that he was playing a weak hand well. I kept telling people, seriously? He intervened in Syria and he made President Obama look like a fool when Obama said there'd be a red line about chemical weapons. But what does that mean? It means that Putin became the part of uh, owner of a civil war, the part owner of a civil war. He became the owner of atrocities in a wrecked country, Syria. He didn't increase the talent in his own country, his human capital. He didn't build new infrastructure. He didn't increase his wealth production. And so if you look at the ingredients of what makes strategy, how you build a country's prosperity, uh, how you build its human capital, its infrastructure, its governance, all the things that make a country successful, there was no evidence that any of the things that were attributed to his tactical genius or tactical agility were contributing in a positive way to Russia's long-term power. In Ukraine, what is it that he's gained? If you look over the landscape, he's hurt Russia's reputation. It's far worse than it ever was. He consolidated the Ukrainian nation whose existence he denied. He explained NATO <clears throat> when his, uh, he is expanding NATO when his aim was to push back NATO from the expansion undertaken since 97. He's even got Sweden applying for NATO membership. And so all across the board, it's a disaster. The problem is that he's in power. And soft Russian nationalists who were semi-critical of Putin now have no place to go because you're either all in or you flee to America, Georgia, Kazakhstan, and Turkey. He's wrecking his own country in a way, although in a very different way, from the murdering that he's carrying out in Ukraine. Uh, next question. What has been revealed about Russia's military and its intelligence capabilities in the past year? That the, the war is a tragedy. There's no way to spin it as other than tragic, given what's happened. The number of deaths in Ukraine, the amount of destruction, the consequences of other countries, including food insecurity. But there have been some pleasant surprises. One was in Ukraine's ability and will to fight. It's been very inspiring from the get-go. We knew they would fight to a certain extent because they were overthrew a domestic dictator Back in 2004 and 2014, they went out in the streets for his life and limb and were willing to confront those domestic tyrants. Now you have a foreign tyrant. We knew they would resist, but it's been a pleasant surprise the depth of their courage and resistance. The other pleasant surprise has been Russia's failures. We knew there were issues with Russia. Many of us thought that the Russian army was really only about 30,000 or 50,000 strong maximum in terms of trained fighters who had up-to-date kit, as opposed to hundreds of thousands of dog food-eating conscripts, untrained or poorly trained, badly equipped soldiers under corrupt officers. But still, the depth of Russian failure in Ukraine, from a military point of view, of their objective was a pleasant surprise for many of us, including myself. And there's Europe's adaptability and fortitude, right? Everybody said, if Europe doesn't have its uh, cappuccinos in the morning and its espressos after lunch, there's no way they could put up with this. Look what's happened. They switched from their dependence on Russian energy much faster than anybody thought. They've rallied in support of Ukraine pretty much across the board. Then there's been what I would call an unfavorable surprise. Despite the sanctions, the Russian economy didn't shrink, let alone shrink massively. It turns out that the Russian people proved extremely adaptable to the sanctions regime and figured out how to survive and in some cases how to prosper. Russian imports are back and Russian exports are back. Russian employment is looking okay. Yes, the figures are a secret, but there are indirect ways that we can figure it out. How much is Turkey exporting? That helps us figure out how much Russia is importing, even though Russia is keeping it a secret. So it turns out that the sanctions are not having the effect of inflicting severe pain in the short term. We'll see what the long term impact is. But so far, the pressure to make Russia reconsider its policy of criminal aggression against Ukraine has not been there, even less than I thought it would be. And it was I was a skeptic on sanctions. Steve, uh, last year we talked about Sun Tzu, the great Chinese theorist of war, who said if you have to build your opponents a golden bridge so that he can find a way to retreat. 
A year later, do you have any thoughts on what that might look like? And is anybody even thinking about it at that point, at this point? That would be a great thing if we could do that, but there's nothing like that in sight. You win the war on the battlefield. There are some shortcuts that could potentially enable you to get a victory more quickly. For example, if the Russian army disintegrated in the field, I said a year ago that the, it seemed unlikely and there hasn't been any evidence that the Russian army is disintegrated in the field. In fact, the call-up of the several hundred thousand new recruits, they've been deployed, they're on the front lines and they're fighting. The other shortcut we talked about was the overthrow of the Putin regime in Moscow and its replacement by a capitulatory, not an exclatory Russian leader escalatory Russian leader. But there was no evidence that the regime was in trouble. Authoritarian regimes can fail at everything. They can even launch self-defeating wars so long as they succeed at one thing, which is the suppression of political alternatives. He's very good at that. And then the third shortcut was the idea of the Chinese exerting pressure to force Russia to climb down. We didn't think that China had this leverage, and we certainly didn't think they would use their imaginary leverage. So without the shortcuts, we're at the battlefield, and the problem with the battlefield is that the victory is misdefined. You have to win on the battlefield, but how do you then win the peace as well after that? What would winning the peace even look like? We know you can win on the battlefield and lose the peace, right? Sadly, we've experienced that in our own country with some of the wars that we've been involved in. Vietnam, for example, right? Yes. And then there are the more recent ones in the Middle East. Uh, I want to remind everyone, right now I'm reading from the New Yorker, uh, article that was just written a few days ago about how the, the war in the Ukraine uh, ends. Uh, now I'll continue. So here we are with Ukraine and the definition of victory as expressed by President Zelensky, who has certainly more than risen to the occasion, is to regain every inch of territory, reparations, and war crimes tribunal. So how would Ukraine enact that definition of victory? They would have to take Moscow. How else can you get reparations and war crime tribunals? They're not that close to regaining every inch of their own territory, let alone the other aims. If you look at the American definition of what victory might look like, we've been very hesitant. The Biden administration has been very careful to say Ukraine is fighting, Ukrainians are dying, they'll get to decide. The Biden administration has effectively defined victory from the American point of view as Ukraine can't lose the war. Russia can take all of Ukraine and occupy Ukraine and disappear Ukraine as a state, as a nation. Next question. But what would Biden and U.S. intelligence and the U.S. military really like to see in terms of a shift in attitude, if that's the case? We're slowly but surely increasing our support for Ukraine. First it was, oh, no, we're not sending that. And then we send it. Oh, no, we're not sending HIMARS, the medium range rocket system. Then we sent them. Oh, no, we're not going to send tanks. Well, yes, we're sending tanks. So there's been a kind of grudging, gradual escalation because of the fear of what Putin could do on his side in escalation fashion. And so we're given enough so that Ukraine doesn't allow, or doesn't lose, so they can maybe push a little more on the battlefield, regain a little bit more territory, and be in a better place to negotiate. Here's the better definition of victory. Ukrainians rose up against their domestic tyrants. Why? Because they wanted to join Europe. It's the same goal they have now. And that has to be the definition of victory. Ukraine gets into the European Union. If Ukraine regains all of its territory and doesn't get into the EU, is that a victory? As opposed to if Ukraine, if Ukraine regains as much of its territory as it is physically can on the battlefield, not all of it, potentially, but does get EU accession, would that be a definition of victory? Well, of course it would be. Well, says you, but would the Ukrainian leadership and the Ukrainian people accept the situation in which they're in the EU, but Donbass and Crimea remains in Russian hands? 
well, you accept it or you don't accept it, meaning you continue to fight. And if you continue to fight, your country, your people continue to die. Your infrastructure continues to get ruined. Your schools, your hospitals, your cultural artifacts get bombed or stolen. Your children get taken away as orphans. That's where we are right now. I understand they want all of this territory back, but let's imagine they can they can take all the territory back on the battlefield. What then? We're in a war of attrition right now. And in a war of attrition, there's only one way to win. You ramp up your production of weaponry and you destroy the enemy's production of weaponry. Not the enemy's weapons on the battlefield, but the enemy's capability to resupply and produce more weapons. You have to outproduce in a war of attrition and you have to crush the enemy's production. Well, what's an example of that historically? Well, every war that's ever been fought, there are two ways that major wars evolved. They all start as wars of maneuver because somebody attacks, right? Then there's a lot of movement at first, and then they meet resistance, and the offensive stalls out because it's hard to maintain an offensive, and the other side's resistance gets ramped up. Then what happens is you radically expand your industrial base for weapons. That's what the U.S. did in World War II, and that's how we won the war. And so think about this. We haven't ramped up industrial production at all. At peak, the Ukrainians were firing, expending upward of 90,000 artillery shells a month. U.S. monthly production of artillery shells is 15,000. With all of our allies thrown in, everybody in the mix who supports Ukraine, you get another 15,000 at the highest estimate. So you can do 30,000 in the production of artillery shells while expanding 90,000 a month. We haven't ramped up. We're just drawing down the stocks. And you know what? We're running out. Is Russia running out? We'll get to that in a second. But we're on the hook for Taiwan. And we're four years behind now in supplying Taiwan for contractual orders of American and allied military equipment. General Mark Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, God bless him, he's there in the Pentagon in that big E-ring where all the important people sit. And he turns his head because all the stuff is going out the door. Everything in our stocks is going right out the door, right past his desk. And it's not going to Taiwan, which is a place that we want to send it. And so we'd have to radically ramp up production, us and our allies, to fight a war of attrition. And at the same time, the sanctions were supposed to destroy Russia's ability to produce weapons, and that's not happening. Russia can produce about 60 missiles a month under sanctions. So that's two horrible barrages against Ukrainian civilian homes and infrastructure. Their energy infrastructure, their water supply, 60 missiles a month. And that doesn't include what they're buying back from Africa that they previously sold. So what they're trying to get in deals with North Korea or Iran the Soviet arsenal, the biggest arsenal ever assembled, and a lot of it is rotting. Not all of it is rotting. Some of the production is still ongoing, but not as much as Russia would like, but enough to carry out the strategy of if I can't have it, nobody can have it. If you're in a war of attrition, you've got to be bombing the other side's production facilities. You have to be denying the other side the ability to resupply in the battlefield. And you have to be ramping up your production like we did in the previous wars where we were directly engaged, but we haven't done here. So tell me, how do you fight a war of attrition with your left hand tied behind your back and your right hand tied behind your back? The Ukrainians are amazing. It's just so inspiring to see what they're doing. But if we get every inch of territory back and we're not close to that, we still need an EU accession process. Ukraine will need a demilitarized zone no matter how much territory it gets back, including if it somehow gets Crimea back. It's got the problem that next year, the year after, the year after next, this could happen again. Uh, and this article, I, I rather, this article is a great article. Everyone should read it. It's just very long. I don't, I don't want to read. Uh, let me just maybe go ahead a little bit here. Uh, 
But basically the crux of this article um, is that, and we've heard this, this war is basically going to end with Ukraine basically losing the same areas that it had lost previously. In other words, 20, 25%, I guess, if it's the eastern part, right? Losing that, that the, 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 the part of the country that really wanted to be more part of Russia anyway, right? So they're going to end up losing that, right? Now, remember, what the American media, what the legacy media doesn't tell you is that Ukraine has been bombing that eastern part, the, been bombing their own country, basically, for a long time, right? They've been bombing them because they see themselves as being more in line with Russia. And so that portion, the eastern portion, if you look on the map um, of, of the Ukraine, is, is most likely, when this is all said and done, in one way or another, going to go to Russia. They're going to lose that. And that's basically... Uh, a big part of what they've been fighting for, right? So here's a good paragraph. As I go down the article, it says, if there's a settlement, let's say there's a settlement, where does that leave Russia and where does that leave a Putin regime? Slobodan Milosevic, you'll remember him as a former tin pot dictator in Serbia, lost four wars before he was kicked out, four wars. So maybe the Putin regime experienced some domestic turbulence if it's unable to achieve its maximal war aims. Maybe survives, lasts for a while. Russia power going forward uh, degrades even further. Their status as an energy suit battle degrades. Their status as a junior partner to Grand Chinese Eurasia gets more dependent. Provide the Chinese will accept Russia as a junior partner. Russia's hemorrhaging human capital. The whole new economy fled Russia. Um, so it's, it's not that Putin isn't going to take hits from this, right? At least not maybe in the short term than in the long term. But the fact of the matter is, you're, we're in a situation where we're losing, I think we've given $115 billion to them already. One billion, not million, $115 billion. So you've given all this money. As this article points out, as the experts point out, we're losing a lot of our own artillery that we were going to supposedly ship to Taiwan, right? And help them in that war with China that's imminent. And our own uh, stocks have been depleted. So we're putting ourselves in a bad position. We're putting ourselves in a bad position when it comes to Taiwan, any future help we're going to give to Taiwan. And it's all going to Ukraine. And it's all going to a war that's going to end up costing Russian lives and Ukrainian lives and destroying most of the Ukraine's infrastructure. And Ukraine's going to probably lose a good chunk of their country, maybe a quarter of their country anyway, at least anyway, in a, in a peace negotiation. So to what extent... What's the, what was the point of all this? Well, as I've said many times, the point of all this is, is, is virtue signaling. Once again, we have to make enemies out of people and saints out of others, right? And so the American media, the legacy media, 90% of it, not all of it, right? And of course, our politicians, most of them, not all of them, but certainly our president, has made Putin the evil villain, and, and Zelensky, the superhero, right? Has made Putin the Goliath and, and Zelensky the David. And we're the United States, right? We're the United States. We're always on the side of good. We're always on the side of the little guy. Of course, this is all total horse shit. We often destroy the little guy, okay? Uh, Iraq was the little guy, okay? <laughs> it wasn't a Goliath. It was a little guy. And we totally destroyed the country. Remember, Iraq was a thriving country. Okay, under Saddam Hussein, Iraq was a thriving country. They had kept all the religious zealots out. 
the Taliban out. Hussein, Hussein knew how to take care of them, knew how to keep them at bay. They were a thriving economy. They were a thriving metropolis, a thriving first world civilization. And we turned it into a third world disaster. Right? Letting the Taliban take over. They're back in power now in Afghanistan, right? So it's uh, we destroyed Iraq. We destroyed a thriving small country that with a small military that was basically a David, not a Goliath. The Goliath, the United States of America, destroyed it for whatever reasons you might come up with, right? Revenge, oil, uh, ratings, money, whatever you want to, you know, uh, you get the president's ratings up because Bush's ratings were in the dump or whatever it may be, whatever you want to call it. We did it. Whatever your reasoning is, that's what we did. So this bullshit that we're, oh, we have to back the little guy and we have to defeat the evil empire is nonsense. It's horseshit, but that's the kind of horseshit Joe Biden pushes. And when he goes there and he says things like, all across my country, Ukrainian flags are flying all across the country. Every American is flying Ukrainian flags in big cities and small towns. It's nonsense. They fly American flags here. They fly American flags in small towns, not Ukrainian flags. In fact, most of those people in those towns want us out, don't want us involved, don't want us constantly giving them our money. So these are the lies that Joe Biden tells. We know Joe Biden is a, is a, is a you know, pathological liar. And he has been his whole life. And he's never been straight with the American people, never been straight with his constituents on anything. And this is the standard establishment role he's going to take, right? It's almost the role he has to take, right? But it's so, it's so, it's so predictable. It's so predictable. And you wonder as he's speaking these words, does he believe them? Does he actually believe this shit? Or is he just saying it because he, you know, he has to say it because he's supposed to say it. But once again, Ukraine can't win this war. They're not going to win this war. They're not going to keep 100% of their country. They're certainly not going to take any Russian territory. So they're not going to win the war. But we can all lose it because this could all lead to a huge problem. It could lead to World War Three. Once again, we're seeing China start to take the side of Russia. And then China will feed Russia money and China will feed Russia weapons. And that's the problem. That's the problem. And of course, we know this was instigated by NATO, right? It was instigated by, instead of just saying a long time ago and coming to an agreement that Ukraine is not going to be part of NATO, that NATO is not going to expand east. A lot of this, and not all of it, could have been avoided. But so, but we wanted to needle Putin, right? We wanted to needle him. And, and many of the people who were against NATO, against the expansion of NATO, have all of a sudden now changed gear and, you know, are totally in on this. All in, as they say, all in. But there are things that we could have done a long time ago to ensure actual peace if we wanted to. But as so often happens in this country, we, we promote war. We don't, we don't promote peace. And that's all another bullshit line you'll hear from presidents like Biden. We, we, we're about, we, we promote peace. We love peace here. It's bullshit. We love war here. We love the war machine. We love feeding the war machine. This gets Biden off. Um, it does. 
And like I said, in the latest poll, many more Democrats than Republicans support this. Because we've seen this lately. Republicans are been the, been the party of America first. The Democrats have been the party of America last. And America first looks like the president on President's Day going to Ohio. America last looks like the president on President's Day going to Ukraine, having not even gone to Ohio ever. It's an obvious the man that the man can't see that's a slap in the face shows what a shows how his brain is 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 cheese. How could you not see that? If I'm the president and something like that happens two weeks ago in Ohio, and my and the people behind the people in my cabinet, my my administration says, "Oh, we got to get to Ukraine. We got to we got to do a surprise visit to Ukraine. It's time." Uh, I would say, well, maybe I should go to Ohio first. No, would it look bad. If I don't go to Ohio first, that that he and his administration doesn't think it looks bad that he goes to Ukraine before Ohio shows really how hateful they are of the American people, how they spit on the American people, which is what they do all the time. It's what they did during COVID. It's what they're doing now. It's 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 the people in East Palestine. Their taxes are going towards their taxes are going towards the Ukrainian people right now. Right, giving the Ukrainian people money, giving Zelensky money, feeding that war, saving their pensions in the Ukraine. Where here, those people can't even they pay their taxes and they can't drink the water and they can't breathe the air. And they're now living in a town that no one wants to come to. I was watching some. Uh, uh, athletic coaches, high school coaches, saying that their their sports program has been just destroyed because no one wants to come play there. No one wants to come play their team. And they're losing tens of thousands of dollars that they need to keep their program going because nobody wants to go there. If you, if you own a house in East Palestine, how do you sell it? Who's, who's moving to East Palestine anytime soon? So what happened to their property values? So this is the tone-deaf president we have. This is the absolute tone-deaf president we have. Without any kind of exit strategy or endgame. Basically saying, we'll give them billions of dollars as long as I want to. We'll give them billions of dollars as long as they want to keep the war going. We're not going to force peace at all. We're not going to say, you see, a, a strong leader, I believe Ron DeSantis would just, you know, I have my, my problems with Donald Trump, but even he would do this. He would say, no, this is, this is, this is the amount we're going to give you. This is the amount. Then you go to the you go to the negotiating. If if this if 120 billion doesn't get the job done, go to the negotiating table. The the, the 120 billion we've given you that has helped you not get your entire country taken over and destroyed, now is time to go. That's it. That's the cutoff point. That's when you have to go to the negotiating table. And if they did that, they would have to do it. They'd have no choice. Zelensky could cry all he wants in his ridiculous <laughs> average Joe jumpsuit that he wears in his palace. That's another thing. What the fuck does the guy have a palace for? It's insane. It really is. Hey, Tony, long time no Hey, how you doing? Can you hear me? Loud and clear, yeah. All right, good, 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 good. Yeah, it's been a while. I had to move. <laughs> it was crazy. Where'd you move to? I'm in North Carolina. I'm in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> this cow... You moved in the middle my of nowhere? Parents, yeah, my parents are down here. So they retired. So I moved in with them for a little bit to figure out what I'm going to do next. 
But yeah, I'm in the middle of nowhere. There's cows, llamas, horses. <laughs> How many, are, there, are there Ukrainian flags flying everywhere? No, I don't oh, see. Oh, Joe Biden said there are Ukrainian flags flying everywhere. So I was wondering. I want I want people to report. That. So Tony, you've re, you've reported from. Is it rural or suburban? Is it rural North Carolina? It's very rural. <laughs> it's incredibly <laughs> rural. There are no Ukrainian flags flying. Good. Maybe there are no Ukrainian in. flags. Yeah, maybe people can call in and give me Ukrainian flag sightings. How many Ukrainian flags are flying in middle, <laughs> in middle America? This guy is really. Could you be more full of shit than this president? I mean, incredible. Oh, <laughs> If, if 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 he's half confident before they have to like pump him up with drugs just to get him on camera. <laughs> yeah, well, the drug. I, I like to know what those drugs are because they kind of work for. I mean, they can work for a couple of hours here and there. It seems. Yeah, I have no idea. What worried me is what. Well, now Bakhmut is completely getting taken over by Russia. The I feel that the whole. If you really look at the history of this whole thing. The uh, the whole NATO thing was created just as a force against Russia originally. Absolutely, and of course. Been, yeah, of and they've course. been ba- they've been building bases solely closer to Russia. Russia's never moved their border. <laughs> we just been moving closer to them. Right. Yeah. Right. So right. what what worried me the most was when I when I saw um, the the Ukrainians they were they were developing chemical weapons. They showed like a whole video of it. And then they showed a video of the drone of them hitting Russian soldiers. Did you see yes. that? Yes, yes. The yes. chemical weapons? Right. Yeah. So shortly after that, because before that, they made Elon Musk donate like $126 million worth of uh, Starlink equipment so that he get internet over there. Right, right. And as soon as Elon Musk saw that, he shut down uh, Starlink over Ukraine. Right. So now the question is, are they going to be using those chemical weapons and using U.S. intelligence satellites or communication satellites? Because that would mean war. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm. This reminds me, and, I've, you know, it's like those of us who said that, you know, when you do lockdown, when you do masking, when you do forced vaccines, you're just going to hurt and kill more people. It's going to escalate where if you had done nothing, it would just go away on its own. And people said, oh, you're crazy, tinfoil hat, you're nuts. And so we, what did we say a year ago, six months ago with this war, that if we keep doing this, we're going to create a World War III, right? And now what are you hearing over the last week? Oh, now China's coming knocking, right? China's going to join Russia. So now you have China, you have a coalition of, of, of the West, <coughs> United States, and Ukraine, and China, two of the three mega superpowers together, uh, by definition, it becomes World War Three, even yeah, if not well, officially World War Three. And we're jumping into it while we're completely depleted. <laughs> the last exactly. thing I think, yeah, the last thing I think Biden sent over there was the uh, uranium-tipped anti anti-tank ammunition, which which uh, was it Northward? North, I think yeah, North, Northrop Grumman's were the ones that had to make it. And mm-hmm. shortly after they finished making it, they made a surprise announcement that they're not making that anymore. <laughs> I know. I they're know. even jumping out. They're like, all right, this is too much now. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, but even, you know, it's, it's look, you know, as I explained, when you talk about the legacy media like the New Yorker and, and Time and New York Times, Washington Post, you're never, you're, they're not going to allow, they rarely will allow someone to write an article 
saying, you know, the Ukraine's full of shit and Zelensky's full of shit. They're not going to allow that. And they're <laughs> so not. Yeah, the, the, as I read in this article, you have to say, oh, poor Ukraine. They're doing their best. They're soldiering on. But even within that, you're starting to get some morsels of truth when it comes to getting, this, ridic- yeah, this ridiculous idea that we're getting money. annihilated. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Ukraine was going to win this war. Win the, and and that's, the, that's the only thing American people understand. It's very, they're very black and white. That's why this whole black and white, good guy, bad guy, evildoer, same thing, what works with the American people, because they're like, they have movie brains. And so the only thing they can understand when it comes to a battle, whether it's a sports battle or a war between countries, is winning and losing. And they've been sold the lie. They've been, look, it, it, they can start to, you know, uh, backtrack as much as they want. Like they kept on backtracking and moving the goalposts on COVID. No, no, we didn't say the vaccine. We didn't say 15 days would end it. We didn't say the vaccines would end it. We didn't say masks would end. You know, they keep on backtracking and moving the goalposts. But they lied. They said 15 days to stop the spread, right? They said the vaccines would end COVID, get us back to normal. They said you wear masks, COVID's going to go away. It can't spread. They lied about all these things. Yeah, they, they said the, Americans- Iraq the, the war in Iraq was going to be six months. Right. So they sold the war in Iraq as six months. They're going to be waving flags and throwing uh, not even months. They, and originally, they said weekend, baby. They kept on moving that goalpost, too. Rumsfeld's beginning was saying weekend. Maybe. maybe no. Rumsfeld said weeks, not months. Weeks, not months. OK. And they lied about that. And then they keep on moving the goalposts. Oh, months, not years. Years, not decades. Same old bullshit game over and over again. And just as 15 days to stop the spread was sold to people. You know, it, the, the vaccines would end, the COVID was sold to people, masks would end, COVID was sold to people. Ukraine's going to win the war with our money was sold to people. And it's all nonsense, right? It's all, it's all no. bullshit. <laughs> they, can, they won't even go and account for it. They won't, they won't audit it. <laughs> no, we have no idea where that money's going, Tony. We have no yeah. clue. I, I do know Zelensky's gotten wealthier. Okay, so there's that. Zelensky's gotten wealthier as this war has gone on. He's gotten wealthier as a leader since he was elected. He's got wealthier as his country's being destroyed. He's gotten wealthier as we have said, as we're sending billions of dollars to him. He's gotten personally wealthier. Ha ha! I wonder where the money could be going, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> Why? And it, we, uh, yeah, it, and, and all the and all the black market stuff they've been because all those weapons and stuff ended up in. Uh, yeah. Sweden and parts of Europe for like neo-Nazi groups. It's crazy. Have we ever asked, have we ever, have we ever demanded here? Have we ever said we need these things to see these one, two, three, four, a list of things before we send money? Did we ever say that every so-and-so, every batch of money we send, we need to see your bank account, your personal bank accounts. Did we ever do that? Of course not. No, we never of did that when not. we bailed out the banks either. So right. exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We want to see your personal bank account. No, no offense, but we don't trust anybody. No. And offense, what what no, happens when they lend us money? Forget yeah, about it. <laughs> right. Yeah. No offense, buddy, but uh, we don't trust anybody. So we'll give you the money, but we want to see your bank account to make sure you're not like stuffing a few bucks there every time we send you money. We didn't do yeah. that. So no, I wouldn't blame the guy. Why? Why? I wouldn't blame the guy for stealing the money. We're not going to ask him. We're not going to ask him for his accounts. We're not going to ask for any accountability. You know, so why not? You know, it, yeah, it's, 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 so, it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. Like I said, well, country- apparently they were pushing a lot through that whole FTX thing for laundering. Oh, yes, absolutely. So, absolutely. Yeah, you know, there's a lot to look into. Oh, when they when they asked for it to the audit, I think that I think 
the U.S. whoever said it was saying that to ask for an audit on Ukraine is uh, Russian propaganda. <laughs> of course it is. It's all Russian propaganda. If you, yeah, if you want any accountability, it's if you once again, if you say anything, anything, it's right. Anything they don't agree with, it could be on any subject. It's Russian propaganda. Yep. Right. <laughs> Like far right extremists, you're a Trumper, yeah. you're racist. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, you know, I put out a video on on Twitter today, and I simply said, um, it, "What's really shocking to me is that if you go if you go prior to March 2020, okay, prior to March 2020, the left, especially the progressive left, wouldn't stop talking about how evil Big Pharma was. Right? You couldn't talk to a leftist, a progressive, a Bernie Crat." without them talking to you about how much they hated Big Pharma. Yet all of a sudden, come March of 2020, not only is not a word about how evil they are, but when we say that they're evil, when we say that Big Pharma is so evil, think about this, that Big Pharma could possibly, for profits, put out a bad product. Pro you, know, you know, Big Pharma, Moderna, Pfizer, whose stocks have gone through the roof for the last 36 months, where everyone else's foreign cases dropped, you know, just just just, you know, insinuating that they might do something untoward to make a profit. And the left says, oh, you're a Trumper, you're a tinfoil hatter. All of a sudden they think Big Pharma is above reproach. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, Big Pharma is above reproach to Bernie Krats. How insane are these people? How hip? How, Bernie, how Bernie's a complete fraud. Say again. I'm sorry. Say again. Bernie's a complete fraud because he should know history. You know, do you know about the Upton Sinclair? I think it was 1937. The jungle? Yeah. No, no. He ran for uh, he ran for mayor in uh oh, I know he wrote California. the jungle. Yeah. Yes, he did run. You're yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. And the and the Democrats ran their first uh, what was it? Attack ads. They teamed up with the head of MGM. This was like in the 30s, mm -hmm. and they ran reels in the in the theaters and stuff. And MGM got like B actors for the to 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 go against uh, Sinclair to say like bad stuff within the reels. They were just interviewing people. It's just, it was an interesting thing. But yeah, he had an idea to, uh, he wanted, basically he had a, he had an idea that he wanted to put through to uh, end poverty in California because there were like a lot of closed factories and farms and stuff like that. And what he was going to do was turn it into a worker co-op so that the people working there were making the profit off of what they were, you know, Right, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Like almost what the Tennessee Valley thing was. Right. Personally, what do you that. think is the worst derangement syndrome? Trump derangement syndrome, DeSantis derangement syndrome, or, or Putin derangement syndrome? <laughs> Which one do you is think? Is there a Putin derangement syndrome? <laughs> the, the left, of course. of course. Oh, okay. Yeah, Russia, Russia, Russia. Of oh, course. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, is Putin running for anything? I think he'd do good over here. I don't know. Uh... <laughs> I mean, he'd offer us cheaper gas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's insane. It, it really is. But, they've all they've all they've gotten so mentally deranged the left. Yeah, that they have so, totally abandoned any of their principles that they had just simply three or four years ago. It, it was very, it was a very quick turnaround for them. It was, they blew it was up a very quick downfall. Yeah, it was a, <laughs> yeah, it was a very it was a very quick downfall. It was a very quick downfall. All it, it took was a cold, baby. All it took was a sneeze. So it took, and, and now they're eco terrorists blowing up Nord Stream. So, <laughs> you know, there's a movie coming out in a couple of months called "How to Blow Up a Pipeline." 
Oh, really? Yeah, I'll review it when I see it. But have you seen the trailer for that? It's about a bunch of young people who decide there's a pipeline running, in, you know, through like the rural area, and it's, they they think it's but blowing up, making you yeah. make an environmental hazard. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. That's crazy. Yeah. There's but, also but, a movie yeah. coming out called Cocaine Bear, which looks really funny. I'm going to see that on Thursday. I'll have the review on Friday. <laughs> but, but by the way, they say that's based on a true story. Cocaine bear? Really? Oh, my yeah, God. The, eight, the mid-80s, like 86, that a, a, a bear ate cocaine and went insane. The craziest I, I, stuff I, I happened in the 70s and 80s, I swear. I don't remember. I was only like 15 years old, but I don't remember the story about that. I don't remember. I thought I'd remember that. A story about a bear eating cocaine and, and going insane. I know. That would be something to – yeah. <laughs> I guess the news was different back then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So yeah, how long are you going to be in North Carolina? Do you know? Uh, well, right now I'm I'm down here. I'm trying to – I got to figure – I got to get my car fixed. I got to find a job. Um, I'm trying to also start a channel with a podcaster so I could do the editing and stuff so I could learn that. I have to build a new computer for that. But, yeah, right now I'm down here for – until – until I make something where I can go somewhere else, I guess. But uh, or or until I have to go up to New York for my uh, court for the uh, lawsuit against my landlord, which right. may take All a little right. well, while. It's not so bad being. I, I lived in a rural area for a while. It's not so bad. I've, I've, yeah, I've lived, there's no twenty four hour bodega and stuff like that. <laughs> Makes things yeah. easy. Nothing's down the yeah. block. Everything's like twenty five minutes away driving. It's yeah. I know, I know. I've been there, done that. I've done the, I've done the fifteen mile drive to the supermarket, twenty mile drive to the supermarket, and all that stuff. It's a, it's a different lifestyle. But let me tell you, the people I met when I was living in a small town called Arizona City in Arizona, about three, four thousand people. I, I, I met some of the nicest people. I really met some of the smartest, nicest people. Um, people who, you know, on the surface, you'd be like, oh, I don't want to go near them. And then once you learn to, once you, once you drop your big city elitism. And your your superiority, you you learned that these people were uh, much much. Let's put it this way: uh, much more proud Americans than people on the coasts. Oh well, I don't know how. Yeah, I don't know how much proudness of America you could be right now. <laughs> well, in other words, not, not, not America, Ukraine. not America. Uh, uh, loving, loving the idea of what America has been. Oh, the been. original idea, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, that's what I'm talking about, right? Not, not, not hating, the, not hating America. Not the greedy right. oligarchy. Yeah, the, exactly. the original idea. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, Tony, thanks for the call. Keep in touch. Don't no be problem. Yo, be good, brother. Good All to hear right. from you. Good, good hearing from you. All right, uh, take next call. Okay, yes, Daniel. Hello. How's it going tonight, Daniel? Hey, it's okay. Um. What do you think about um, next time um, the right or next time the uh, Democrats um, start yelling racist at you? You just just agree with them. Just say, yeah, I'm racist. When they say you're Putin lovers, just say, oh, yeah, we go way back. When they say you're a misogynist. <laughs> we go way back. Yeah, yeah, I go when, way back. Yeah. <laughs> when they say call you misogynist, just say, yeah, shit, you don't know the half of it. You know? <laughs> That's a great just, idea. I like it. You know, just just it's kind of a Matt Matt Gates thing. You know, be offended. You know, just <laughs> just 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 mock them when whenever they whenever they throw this shit at you. Just just mock them. You, you, you may not be a Trump supporter, but just say, yeah, oh Trump, yeah, you know, MAGA, go go go. You know, and just just mock them. Just take the wind out of their sails with with, with this. I mean, they're controlling the language. 
uh, uh, through the media right now. Just, you know, just, just deny them that control by mocking them. Well, you know, when all else fails, right? But I, I mean, you know, obviously you could do that, you know, and, and the thing about that is they have nowhere to go after that, right? Exactly. That's yeah. the point. It just shuts them up after that. Yeah, I remember, you know, I had a great time. You, you bring this up. I had a great time taking a uh, a bareback horse ride with uh, Putin. We had great times. It was our own little, we had, it was our own little version of Brokeback Mountain. Brokeback Mountain right there. <laughs> <laughs> Think about that. You, you could really get them going with that kind of a comment. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah they won't know where to go on that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they'll, say, well, they'll, say, they'll say, but, but. But is he trans? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is he trans? That's, you got to be. Did you see they were talking about, there was some ridiculous thing I was watching where they wanted, here in California, of course, where all ridiculous things are conceived. Um, they want, they're having a problem with the bathrooms, right? They want to change the bathrooms to be a unisex bathrooms. Now, they're making a big deal out of it. They actually had to make a bill about that here. In California, Daniel, believe it. here. This is what they this is what they're concerned about here in California. Not homelessness, not crime, none of that stuff. Not the economy, but making bills, making gender neutral bathrooms. But what's idiotic about it is, is that the gender neutral bathrooms are only going to be single stall bathrooms. So what the fuck's the difference anyway? They had to make a law about this that a well, single person bathroom can be used by a male or a woman or a trans or anyone they want to. Who cares? At UC Berkeley, um, in in the most buildings there, um, certainly in the newer buildings, they have men's bathrooms, women's bathrooms, and unisex bathrooms. You, you can you can you can choose whichever one you want. It, it's ridiculous. It's just absolutely freaking ridiculous. Who who want who want, who would rather go into a unisex bathroom than a male than a men's woman men's or woman's restroom? Why would you prefer doing that? <laughs> It doesn't make it, it makes zero sense, but everything they do makes you once again, there's no one common sense to anything they do. Every, everything they do is for virtue signaling. It doesn't have to make sense. Right. Yeah. And, and what's so what's so ridiculous about everything they do, the left nowadays is any kind of scrutiny. Right. Any small kind of scrutiny and everything they believe in blows anything they believe in blows up. Right. If you scrutinize it at all. I mean, <laughs> once again, it's simply to say they believe that their whole their whole MO is saying, we did it first. We're so open-minded here. We led the way of single-stall bathrooms being unisex. <laughs> it's so insane. That's yeah. the legislature of California's claim to fame and the claim to fame for the hair gel king of California and Sacramento. That I I I'm the one who made unisex I'm the one who made single stall bathrooms unisex. I go into the unisex bathrooms at Berkeley only when the other bathrooms are full. There is almost nobody that choosing to go into the unisex bathrooms unless the other bathrooms are full. Right. <clears throat> it, it's it's just how anyone could think this was a, was a good thing to do to go to the added the added extra cost of of putting in a third type of bathroom in, in, in all over the campus. It, it's just, I mean, it's just smacks of, of, of wokeism and they just can't seem to backpedal their way out of this commitment that they've made to wokeness. They just, they can't do it. They just can't.
And and how much do these bathrooms, these extra bathrooms cost? They're big. I mean, most of them have at, about, at least half of a dozen stalls, at least. That's ridiculous. And, and, and then you go in there and the, and the counters, there's at least four sinks in each one of these. And they're really long counters. I mean, they're like 30 feet long. The thing is, it's interesting about it, is that the um, in a woman's bathroom, uh, women will go in there and they will primp and preen in front of the the mirrors. And it's part of the reason that women's bathroom lines are so long um, it, because women are in there just messing with themselves. Um, and in the unisex bathrooms, <laughs> they don't do that. <laughs> right. That's true. That, that's it, it's, very true. It's, it's, it's very, it's funny. It's, it's, it's just really funny behavior. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've been in a position in the past where, you know, it's a single stall bathroom. You go to a, you go to a restaurant, right? And and you've seen them before. There's, it's a each bathroom, both men and women. It says men and women, but each bathroom only only one person can go in. So I've always thought, what is the point of that, right? If only one person can be in there, why does that have to be labeled men and women? Now I do understand this from a. I have to take that. I have to go through the woman's point of view. Men are are messy, right? <laughs> men are just messier. So I think that was the original point of giving women their own restroom, is that men are just messy. So a man will go in there and pee all over the place, all over the seat, and then the woman's got to deal with it. But let's let's just say for a second that guys can be not, not skivoozes and actually be civilized and clean up after themselves. I don't see any point to have these single-stall, single-person bathrooms labeled men and women. And I've been in the situation where I really got to go, and the men's bathroom is taken, and the one that says women is not, and I go in. And I'm, yeah. I, just, I'm, I just clean after myself like a civilized fucking person. You know, but it's it's the whole thing is is kind of it's so stupid. Once again, this is what we do here in California, not us, but them. They just do stupid things that, as you said, are done just for wokeness and virtue signaling, just things that don't matter. No one really gives a shit about. Yeah, let's um, let's start a war in, in Europe someplace. Let's um, let's make the uh, pharmaceutical companies rich. Um, and drain to, to you know billions and billions and billions of dollars from from the uh, the poor and middle class and send it upwards on the pay scale. Um, let's you know let's let's feed the military industrial complex. Let's feed the uh, medical industrial complex, which is far far bigger than the military industrial complex, and, and let's give them bathrooms. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, you know, it's, let, let, let's 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 let them fight over where their men are men and women are women. I well, mean, as, as and I, people as, go for it. They get sucked into this. I mean, these butt, well, this butt is, ugly, you know, fugly people that that get sucked into this fight of woke. Just, I mean, have you ever seen a good looking woke person? Just tell me, have you ever seen a good looking woke person? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't. I have never seen a good looking woke person. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> I, I, Daniel, I, I, I couldn't tell you because they all wear masks. <laughs> that ain't that the truth. Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah. anyway, in, in using your own words, this is our latest update to remind you that we have a Supreme Court justice who can't define what a woman is. Yeah, yeah, that's my my periodic reminder. <laughs> yeah. Um, boy, at, at some point it's going to be real interesting watching her try to apologize. When, when when the whole transgender thing just blows up in, in their faces because it's you know it's already blowing up it's just doing so much damage to so many children um when they finally have to admit you know the harm that they've done there you know we'll get to the covid harm later but when they finally have to admit um to that harm that they've done 
we're going to have a Supreme Court justice, for God's sakes, that is going to have to explain how she told the entire world that she didn't know what a woman was, that she couldn't define what a woman was because she's not a biologist. (laughs) (laughs) Well, She's going to have to, at some point, explain that. And that is going to be one. It's going to be one of the more bizarre moments in our history. <laughs> it certainly is. You're right. There's no doubt about it. But you know, um, right now she doesn't have to explain it because the woke are just cheering her on for being yeah, that exactly. idiotic. But at exactly. some point, his, history is going to make her <laughs> explain this, and she is just. Uh, it's going to be recorded in history. And, and she's, she knows it's going to be recorded in history. It, it, there's just no way for her to back out of this well, <laughs> in any that, way gracefully. That should be a question that is now from, from hence, henceforth on always asked of a, of, a, of a possible Supreme Court justice. Can you define what a woman is? That should be the question <laughs> to every person who's up for nomination for Supreme Court justice from this point on. Yeah, and and the proper litmus test for the left is I'm not a biologist. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'm not a biologist. Yeah. Not, yeah. yeah. Anyway, Daniel, thanks for the call. I really yeah. Appreciate. Have a good night. Yeah, you too. Um, okay. Well, now it is time. It is time for a patented and let's be heard. A patented and let's be heard. Eric Adams, Mayor Eric Adams, update. Thank you. Thank you, Isaac. Thank you, Isaac Hayes. Thank you, Isaac. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, So, as you know, as you know, Eric Adams, you may have heard, I don't know if you know it, but you should know it. Eric Adams finally, recently went after Ron DeSantis for for going to New York. A Republican can't come to New York without a a, a, uh, a loser Democratic mayor screaming at them for coming to New York or having to tweet something totally idiotic just to show, you know, what a big shot they are, what a tough guy they are. So Ron DeSantis went to New York because he's going to run for president, obviously. But he went to New York because he was spreading the word about uh, about uh, being pro-police and how we can't defund the police and how in Florida crime has gone down. And he's trying to take this message to all these other cities who Democrat-run cities who have talked about, you know, not only defunding the police, but have, have. Right. In New York, San Francisco, police have left They're They have a deficit when it comes to police. Look what happened in Austin, Texas. You see that crap? Austin, Texas lost like a couple of thousand police officers. So this is happening throughout all our major, you know, Democrat run cities. So Ron DeSantis went to New York City and was just on the speaking tour about about being pro-police. And he also has a book coming out and we know he'll probably run for president. So. So Eric Adams tweets, welcome to New York City a place where we don't ban books, discriminate against our LGBTQ plus neighbors, use asylum seekers as props, let the government stand between a woman and healthcare. Eric Adams wrote on Monday. We're, we're happy to teach you something about values while you're here in New York City. <laughs> First of all, that's absurd. But I'll let, I'll let DeSantis campaign spokeswoman Christina Pushaw answer that question. 
respond, and she did. Christina Pushaw. Nice rhetoric, but here's reality. More Americans fled New York City than any other metro area last year. More Americans moved to Florida than any other state. You know this, Mayor Adams. You've talked accurately about crime pushing people out of New York City. Florida's crime rate is at a 50-year low. Maybe it's you who can learn from Governor DeSantis, the governor's spokeswoman said. Uh, how, how much of an idiot? This is, this is like, we've seen this from the hair gel king of California. When they have, do, they have no facts on their side, all their facts are against them. All the evidence is against what they say. Instead of just shutting the fuck up, they open their stupid mouths. Over and over again, these Democrat politicians open their dumb mouths trying to puff up their chests. We know, we know Gavin Newsom wants to look. And, and, and Gavin Newsom and Eric Adams have a lot in common. And you're thinking, my, Gavin Newsom, look in the mirror. They yes, they do. Gavin Newsom every day wakes up and decides that he has to spend three hours on his hair with the hair gel to make himself look like a playboy. Right. Eric Adams wakes up every day and buffs his head, gets that nice, shiny, perfect, bald head. I don't know most people who are not in the public eye who have shiny, bald heads like Eric Adams does. A nice, shiny, He buffs his head to look shiny. He puts on those tight suits, three-piece suits to show his buff 60-plus-year-old body, how tough he is. He goes to the border. The New York City mayor goes to the border. What the New York City mayor has to do with the fucking border, I have no clue, but he found a reason, and he goes there, and he wears his New York City mayor. I'm New York City mayor jackets. Everyone knows I'm the tough New York City mayor. I'm the tough buff New York City mayor. Then he goes back to New York and he does photo ops where he sleeps in the homeless, in the immigration shelter for the night. I mean, the guy is just a big PR fucking nobody. All he cares about is PR and himself and his own image, just like Gavin Newsom. They both care about their own image, right? Whether it's the physical image or political image. And so instead of just shutting up, because you know, as Miss Pushaw says, you have talked about how people have left New York City because of crime. So you know that. And you get to go into Florida, you moron. You said it. And you know this. So the governor of Florida comes and you say something as stupid as you can learn from us. That's like the moron hair gel king of California saying California is the state of freedom in his State of the Union address. Who the fuck is he kidding? The state of freedom. In, in Florida, people can go to live. And I don't mean just live in the figurative term. I mean live in the literal term. Like not be fucking killed. Not be bashed over the head. Not be raped. Not be looted. Not be pushed on train tracks. That's why they're going to Florida, tough guy. That's why they're going to Florida, Mayor Shaft. Not to mention that in most cities in Florida, even the nicest ones, rents half of what is in New York City. What are people paying for in New York, Mayor Shaft? What are they paying for? What are they paying for the luxury of being pushed on the train tracks? What are they putting for the luxury of, of having a, 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 a bodega or a convenience store and getting, getting a shot up? As we saw the other day when the guy just, I don't know how the guy avoided death when those two guys came in. One tried to shoot him with a handgun. The other came in with a fucking machine gun and missed him. Is that what they pay for? Teach you something about values while you're here. The value of what? What's my, what's, what does my dollar go in New York City? What value? What value? 
You don't get between a doctor and women. No, no. You just get between a doctor and anyone when it comes to the COVID vaccine. You say it. You mandated it, you fucking idiot. You're the one who lost thousands of firemen and policemen and hospital workers, nurses and doctors because you mandated the vaccine because you got between doctors and patients, you moron. Just keep your mouth shut. Keep it shut. Some people don't believe in killing unborn children. Some people don't believe in killing children. That's what they believe. You might not believe that. Fine. And you have to justify in your head they're not real children. They're not human, so you can justify it. Fine. Do it. But don't say we don't get between women and their doctors. When you've gotten between doctors and, and, and their patients for three fucking years, mandating a vaccine that never stopped the spread of jack shit. Maybe Eric Adams writes this stuff just to get me mad. Maybe he enjoys our, our Shaft, Mayor Shaft updates. Maybe we'll do them daily. Another thing DeSantis is doing, which is a very good thing, and it's working, is he's awarding people $5,000 signing bonuses. Law enforcement, unfortunately, only. So if you leave New York and you go and leave any big city and you go to Florida to become a cop, you get five grand up front. Which is smart. It's incredibly smart. I don't see New York giving $5,000 signing bonuses. New York, Eric Adams won't even rehire the people that were fired because of his asshole mandate. He won't even give them back pay because of his idiotic medieval Neanderthal mandate. And he has the nerve to go after DeSantis. And their bullshit, the same way the Democrats and Biden bullshit about the Republicans wanting to get rid of Social Security. Their bullshit about don't say gay, you can't say gay, you can't say gay. It's total fucking horseshit that plays to their ignorant, stupid base who believes that crap. And like I've said a million times, the gay life is a million fucking times better in Florida, especially South Florida, than anywhere in California or New York. You can go to any kind of a bar in Florida and not pay $22 to have a fucking drink. I, who is they kidding? Anthony, would you say this, Tony? There needs to be a separation between state and... Well, yes, but the fact of the matter is it's the hubris of not knowing when you're a loser... Not knowing when you've lost. New York lost a congressional district to Florida. California lost a congressional district to Texas. Instead of just knowing you have lost and shutting up, they have to put their fucking chests out, puff it out, and pretend they're tough guys. We're tough guys. Because we know we're not going to get pushed out of office because our electorate is so fucking dumb, dumber than we are. So we can do whatever we want. That's what they know. That's what the Newsoms and the Adams of the world know. They'll never pay for being losers because their constituents are losers. And they'll continue to vote them in. They'll complain. They'll say, oh, my God, I'm afraid of living here. And then they'll vote for another fucking Democrat. Try to explain that to me.
Look at the shit shape Chicago's in. And we have an election coming out there next week, and they might get rid of the current Democrat, but are they going to replace him with another Democrat? Are they going to place her with a new boss, same as the old boss, the way they just did in New York? Not new boss, same as the old boss. The new boss, even worse than the old boss. After all you did was complain about the old boss. Because your Trump derangement syndrome and your cult mentality is so bad, so bad, you got to vote for the D. You can't vote for the R. That's what you, you kill yourself because of a fucking letter next to a candidate's name. Think about that. You'll kill yourself. You'll kill your family and your friends because you because of a letter next to a fucking name. Yes, it gets me upset. You know that. It gets me upset because I've been able to switch. I've been able to see the light. I've been able to do I've been able to go from establishment Democrat to progressive to independent to libertarian Republican. I can do it because I see the way things are what's happening. I see the facts. I see the reality. And so I change with the facts and the reality. I'm not stuck in a cult. This must be what it feels like for someone who's been in a real cult. And they get out, they're deprogrammed. And then they look back at the people who are still in there and they can't understand why they can't do the same thing. Why they can't do the same thing. Would you say, Daniel, a burrito cost you how much? A burrito here in San Francisco costs you $15? Yeah, and a burrito in New York City will cost you $15. Won't cost you $15 in Orlando. Won't cost you $15 in Aventura. Won't cost you $15 in Hollywood, Florida. When there's nothing you can say, just shut up. Holy crap. How many people did New York City lose to Florida? How many people, and I say this about California all the time, not just how many people did California lose, but how many people want to go but can't or will go when they can? What's that number? What's the number of people combined the people who left, combined the people who left with the people who want to get the fuck out? How many people is that? I would say it's more than half of the people that live in this, this, in this state or my city and more than half of those who live in New York. This is what they're bragging about? And they're taking shots against a guy that just won by a million and a half votes in a mixed state, a million and a half votes in a purple state, 20 points in a state that governor usually wins by one or two points either way. Are they kidding? The message Ron DeSantis spreads is not a message of Republican or Democrat or left and right. It's a message of uncommon sense. That's what people are attracted to. That's what I'm attracted to. That's why he won by a million and a half votes. Because he says things and people go, that makes sense. Forget the letter next to his name. Forget if I'm a left or a right or a center or an I or an R. What he says makes sense and I like that. That's why he won by a million and a half votes. Something that Gavin Newsom or Eric Adams will never understand and could never do. Could never say anything that people say, oh, that makes great sense. Uncommon sense. I'm voting for that. They could never do it because they don't have one fucking original idea.
crazy versus normal, Daniel. Yes, you're right. It is like Sarah Huckabee Sanders said. It's not right, left, Democrat, Republican. It's simply crazy versus normal. Those are the choices you have now. Until Democrats change, and I don't believe they will, those are the choices you have because they're getting crazier. They're not getting like less crazy. It's not like we're saying, oh, you know, less crazy than they were a year ago. They're less crazy than they were three years ago. They're getting more crazy. They're doubling and tripling down on their fucking lunacy. They need to take their medications. They're not doing it. So it is about crazy versus normal. And people look at what Ron DeSantis says, and they say it makes perfect sense and it's normal. He seems normal and he makes perfect sense. And what many voters in Florida said was, you know, I'm a Democrat and I don't like Republicans in general. I don't vote for Republicans. I don't like Trump, but I'm voting for Ron DeSantis because my life here is good. My life here is comfortable. And what this guy says makes sense. So I'm not going to, doesn't matter what letters next to his name. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a sane person and I want a good life. So I'm going to vote for him. And this is this is another thing. This is has they put out a fucking memo? Has has Biden has brain addled Biden administration put out? Has the DNC put out a memo to Democrats to attack this guy because this is the guy that's threatening us? Is that what they've done? Whenever whenever he comes to your state, if you're a Democrat, it's your job to attack him. Even if your attacks make absolutely no sense, a bat crap fucking crazy insane. You got to we have we, you have to show that you're attacking him because this is the guy who threatens us. November of 2024. This is the guy who become become president. So attack him because what we need is 85 year old Joe Biden. That's what the world needs. 85 year old fucking Joe Biden. As president of the United States. Make sure that happens. And we need 85-year-old Joe Biden so fucking bad. Crazy versus normal. Yes, I know I'm sounding crazy. I don't care. Uh, let's, Daniel, uh, a lot of people moving out of New York City are in floods of expense. Yeah, well, uh, yes, homeowners leaving New York City, Long Island. Of course. Look, people have left New York. In California for taxes for decades now. It's not a new thing. But the numbers that we're seeing now <clears throat> are going up because all this other stuff is compiled on top of the economics of taxes. You know, taxes was an impetus for some people to leave, other people not so much. But when you put crime on top of that and you become freedom on top of that and you say mandates on top of that, you add all these things up, it got to a fever pitch where people were like, now. We have so many reasons why we, we can't be here anymore, why we don't want to be here anymore. Yeah, the tax thing is icing on the cake for some people. It's not the reason why I would leave. This is the reason why I want to leave. Taxes are not the reason why I want to leave. The fact that they're, they're, I don't even think about that. But what I do think about are quality of life. I think about crime. I think about how much things cost uh, in general goods. I think about uh, freedom. I think about having a governor who's not going to impose a mask mandate on me or a vaccine mandate on me so I can have a fucking make a fucking living. That's the kind of stuff. Living around normal people, living around normal, sane people is why I want to go. So the taxing might be important for people of different, you know, levels of income or businesses, corporations. I get that. Small businesses, too. I get that. But for me and for a lot of people, it was 
it was COVID. It was the COVID era that did this. They'll never admit this. The Democrats will never admit it. But it's the COVID era that did this. And their COVID mandates, which caused all these economic woes and criminality to explode, it was their COVID mandates. It was COVID. It was COVID, Charlie. It was COVID. Charlie, it was COVID. It was always COVID, Charlie. Okay, I'll stop that now. But yeah, that's what it was. It was COVID that did it. That's what caused this mass exodus. The mass exodus is like 2020, 2021, 2022. People left before COVID for tax reasons, but not like we saw over the last two and a half years. It was the first time California and New York had lost a congressional district. It was, it was, it was COVID. It was their destructive policies. It was their destructive policies. You know, and this crime, the, 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 the liberal DAs who let criminals go, who let murderers go. Here in San Francisco, they prosecute business owners, homeless people, the criminals, the criminals with the guns, illegal guns. They can do whatever they want. But the small business owner can't protect themselves. The regular citizen can't protect themselves. So they are prosecuted. They're taxed up the wazoo. Here in San Francisco, we're in such a deficit. We're in such a fucking deficit that the mayor in the state of the city says we're in the deficit, yet they want to give five black, five black people $5 million each for reparations. And what they're doing is they're actually finding – they're destroying – destroying small business owners for two years wasn't enough with their shit mandates, their bullshit fucking mandates, Trump derangement syndrome-inspired mandate. That wasn't enough. Now they're finding they're, – they have such a deficit that they need to make money, right? So they're fining store owners for, like, having awnings that are too big. They're looking for all these picky things that they can find small business owners if they destroyed half of the small businesses in this city and counting. They're fining small business owners for having awning violations because they're so fucking broke because it's run by incompetence, woke incompetence, that they'll push more small business owners out. But once again, we've all talked about this being a plan of the Great Reset, of the New World Order. This is the plan now. It's too blatant and obvious now for it not to be a fucking plan. They're prosecuting small business owners for spraying a homeless person on a warm day with water for five and a half seconds because that homeless person was making people not go into their fucking business, which they had for three decades. After he called the city 30 times to get the person removed and they said, sorry, up your ass. So the homeless can do whatever they want. They can put up tents. They can shit on the street. They can piss on the street. They can put fentanyl all over the street so your fucking dogs breathe it in, so your kids breathe it in and die. They can do what they want. But small business owners, no, they got to pay, baby. They got to pay. And that's why people are uh, leaving, losing and leaving. So they can start winning. Elsewhere. Yeah, once they cut the mayor's salary here, Daniel, that's what they should do. Maybe the mayor, maybe we're in such a deficit, the mayor shouldn't be making 350 fucking K a year. Maybe the mayor in, in East Palestine should make 350 K and this one should make 20 bucks a month. 
Maybe the mayor of San Francisco, a city now of maybe a half million people at most, at most, shouldn't be making the most money of any mayor in the fucking country. Maybe. But no, no. We're in insane land. This is not the land of uncommon sense. It's the land of insanity. And the people think it's good. They think it's fine. That London Breed, she deserves 350k a year. Yeah, right. They're greedy and they're corrupt. And because we're on the West Coast, they've gotten away with it. You can't get away with it as easily in New York, you know, Chicago, the Dailies, the Windy City. But here in San Francisco, you can get away with it. And so they've gotten away with being the most, one of the most corrupt cities in the world for a very, very long time. Because they fly under the radar, because of their location. And because L.A. dominates the state. I think there was something else I wanted to get to here. Oh, yeah. Speaking of San Francisco. Okay. Listen to this story. San Francisco quietly, quietly admits boycotting red states failed. San Francisco quietly admitted boycotting red states failed to influence state policy and create additional administrative burdens for the city. This is where they said, you know, the city had like boycotts of city employees and contractors and stuff going to red states, right? Because they were, they were, they were, uh, you know, be, they had to, they were so woke and virtuous. They had to, they had to boycott red states. They had to vo- boycott states that are in much better shape than California, right? The same game we're talking about with Eric Adams and, 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 and DeSantis. So, Stephen Moore wrote, San Francisco's boycott of using contractors based in conservative states has added 10 to 20 percent to its contracting costs. Now the city is reconsidering the ban. Go woke, go broke. So now they're they're quietly admitting, oh, maybe maybe it wasn't the best thing to do. Maybe this woke virtue signaling bullshit just made things worse. Imagine that woke virtue signaling bullshit making things worse, not better. But when they say quietly, that's the key there, quietly. They're quietly going to drop that and not admit it didn't work. Just like, hey, what does that remind you of, baby? They're quietly going to drop things, but never admit they didn't work. What is that? What does that remind you of? Oh, mask mandates, vaccine mandates, lockdowns, school closures. Just quietly drop things. But don't admit you made things a thousand times worse, which is what, of course, they did with all of this. Because you go woke, go broke. I love that. Thanks, Stephen Moore. He could be funny sometimes, that guy. And that's absolutely true. As of September of last year, San Francisco's blacklist covers 30 states, 30 states. Based on the LGBTQ B plus HZGD laws, abortion restrictions and voting laws, it originally applied to eight states because of LGBTQ laws and expanded to cover abortion and voting laws. Hey, why don't we expand it? How about states that don't have the unisex bathrooms? Okay, maybe that's 40 states now. Maybe we should, maybe we should ban 49 states, every state except our own. Maybe if you don't fly Ukrainian, if there are enough citizens flying Ukrainian flags, ban that state too. These people are insane. They're insane. But once again, another point that these 
articles don't make is they don't lose. The people who make these laws don't lose. They make $350,000 a year, whether these laws are in, in effect or not. The people lose. I lose. You lose. They never lose. They never lose. We have to make them start losing. Some liberals are waking up. Some liberals are waking up. I always like to try to as the, maybe wind the show down. I'll look at some something positive. But a liberal filmmaker, an anonymous liberal filmmaker, we don't know who they are, and I'll get into it in the reason. They condemned gender-affirming care because they saw what happened to their son. This is San Francisco also. Sorry, sorry for the San Francisco-centric show, but just the way it panned out today. A San Francisco-based filmmaker anonymously condemned gender-affirming care after seeing what happened to her own son and urged fellow liberals not to allow kids' transgender identities to go unquestioned. A Dallas Morning News column published last week that was penned by the filmmaker began with an editor's note explaining that a pseudonym was used for the writer to protect the identity and safety of her child. The paper noted that her identity was verified and she is one of the several parents of trans children who have shared their stories with the news but who aren't willing to be named publicly because of the concern for health and safety of their children. Yeah, because the San Francisco woke liberal mob will, will descend. The column bluntly headlined, I believed in gender-affirming care. Then I saw what happened to my son, noted that the documentary film community is left of center, very left. In fact, according to the anonymous author, over the last 10 years, I fit right in. I made films about women and children of diverse identities, coping with sexual assault, trauma, racism, homophobia, and mental illness. Then in 2020, after I had sold my last film to Netflix and was wrapping primary photography on my next feature, I chose to begin a new film, one that I was driven to make despite my community's disapproval. It's a film that is full of viewpoints that may be mistakenly characterized as conservative, I've done my best to ensure my work does not become fodder for right-wing hit pieces, but I need to tell the truth, and truth doesn't always align with a political side. COVID-19 has been hard on my youngest, previously an extrovert, active, and affectionate boy. Over lockdown, he became quiet, easily agitated, and withdrawn. He spent most of his time online. Then he told us he was transgender. I wonder what he read online. That might have. Well, I wonder what he read online during the lockdown when there was nothing else to do in the idle mind of the devil's workplace. I wonder what he read. The filmmaker said her newly transgender son wanted puberty blockers and then would go on estrogen and matter-of-factly stated that he didn't plan on getting bottom surgery, but would probably want electrolysis, voice training, and facial feminizing surgery, such as tracheal shave. That is obviously stuff that this kid read online. They didn't come up with it themselves. She explained that her son wants to play with toy guns dressed as Spider-Man for Halloween, spent a lot of time shirtless, and found humor in fart jokes. As a result, her son's decision stunned the family, but as liberal California parents, they decided to support him. The filmmaker then started using she-her pronouns, calling her son by a new female name, offered to him, take him shopping for new clothes and do his nails, even offered a makeup tutorial. What a nice mother. We called three local adolescent gender clinics, but in 2021, we could not get an appointment. The clinics have seen such a huge increase in new patients they couldn't even put us on a wait list. That's interesting that a year into COVID, all of a sudden all these kids wanted to be trans. 
The filmmaker wrote that. Then, not I just said that. The filmmaker didn't write that. They couldn't even put us in a wait list. The filmmaker wrote, that's when we realized we aren't rare. Transgender identities were spreading rapidly, often within social networks. Five of the ten kids in our son's closest friend group are now identifying as trans or non-binary. This is insane. Our neighbors on both sides, listen to this, our neighbors on both sides each have a trans kid. The filmmaker noticed how many children were in the same boat and felt something other than kids finding their authentic self was going on here. Sure, her son was fixated on the medical transition and continued to dress and act like a teenage boy because he wanted to transform physically first. You'd think a therapist or a gender clinic would be able to assess if this is the right or wrong thing for him, but I've listened to enough parental accounts, interviewed enough detransitioners, doctors and therapists to know that this is not true. Therapists are not free to explore teens' transgender self-diagnosis for fear of losing their licenses. What happened? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What happened to not getting between a doctor and their patient? Eric Adams. Eric Adams. Shaft. Where are you, Shaft? What happened? What happened, Hair Gel King of California? Well, we know him. He, he's writing. He, he wants to pass a bill so he can tell your doctor. He wants to. Gavin Newsom wants to pass the bill so he can tell your doctor what to say. He can call up and tell the doctor what to say. And if a doctor doesn't say what he says to say, they lose their license. That's freedom. They, like gender clinics, operate under the American Academy of Pediatrics policy that any kid who says they are trans is affirmed. The filmmaker then noted that a new documentary, Affirmation Generation, informs viewers that essentially every kid sent to a gender clinic is transitioned. Without comprehensive assessments, while other mental illnesses are ignored, these kids are put on lifelong, invasive, experimental, and costly medicine. She wrote before offering multiple examples from her film of people who have spoken out. That is where the course correction must come from. Progressives willing to ask hard questions and speak hard truths, she wrote. Yeah, good luck. Good luck. I made this film because too many parents believe what I used to believe, that kids' trans identity should not be questioned, that the medical transition is, only, is the only path forward. The truth is so much more complicated than that. Oh, imagine that. Being liberally minded means keeping an open mind. Yeah. Give me and the 12 experts, 6D transitioners in more than 40 articles and scientific studies cited in the film a chance, a chance to present the evidence. Good luck. Good luck. Once again, I'll come back to this over and over again. The difference between... Normal and crazy. The difference between normal and crazy. I feel for her. I really do. I don't want to like a mocking her, but I, I, in this city, she's going to lose. Period. Just like people in this city would have no problem with forever masking if they were told to do it, would have no problem with forever vaccine mandates if they were told to do it, no problem forever vaccine passports if they were told to do it. There's no way in this city she's going to find enough people. She'll find a few others, enough people to make any real changes here. Because this is what they believe. Open-mindedness to the left is not what she's hoping it is. It's not like being open-minded to the other side. They are not open-minded to the other side. They're open-minded only to their own side and their own crazy things they come up with. Oh, no, if a child, if a five-year-old says she's a boy or a girl, if there's a girl playing, oh, no, we're open-minded. They must become what they want to become. That's their open-mindedness. It's nutty. It's crazy open-mindedness. But when you come back to them with facts like she did, forget it. No, no, you're a nutcase. You're a conservative. Look how crazy this filmmaker is. How many times she mentions, I don't want to be conservative. No, no, I don't want to be conservative. 
because she's surrounded by people who can't win their case with facts. They can't win. Everything they believe in, when you throw facts and evidence at them, everything they believe in melts. Everything they believe in melts away. So all they can say is, you're a tinfoil hatter. That's all they can say. You're a trumper. You're a domestic terrorist. You're a Russia. We know the old game they play. And maybe Daniel's right. Maybe we just need to start saying, yeah, that's right. What are you going to do about it? <sighs> crazy land. I live in crazy land. It's sick out there and getting sicker. I really, really need to get out of here. I need to get out of here. I think by now, after over 300 shows, you know that, right? Okay. What's going to happen between now and tomorrow night's show? We don't know. That's the great thing. That's the mystery of this. We don't know what's going to happen. I'll, I'll tell you what. The same thing's going to happen. We'll get more Michigas on uh, uh, Iraq. Iraq. Listen to me. On Ukraine. It all blends together. Iraq, Ukraine, Afghanistan, Vietnam. It all, it all blends together. But uh, we'll see. Maybe something. Where? Elon. Elon. I know you're out there. What happened with the Fauci files? Why aren't you going to have more Fauci files in February? It's almost March now. Where, where are the Fauci? We know they're there. We need Fauci files. Come on, man. I think he went back to Tesla for a little bit. I think he had to work on Tesla. I think they're having a problem with their self-driving cars doing bad things. So I think he, maybe he had to take a little break from Twitter. But hopefully we'll get those Fauci files at some point soon. Hopefully, right? Because those should be those should be nice and spicy, and we need to see Fauci in front of uh, Congress soon. We need to we need to see the House subpoena Fauci. That's something we need to see. That's we. I'm glad they subpoenaed the Twitter twits, the Twitter four. But we need to get Fauci up there, and uh, and really um, grill his ass. All right, the name of the show is and let's be heard. It airs weeknights, 11 p.m. Oh, before I get into, before I go into the, the credits here, the ending credits, I do, I'm going I'm to do this every show. Monday night, next Monday night, the 27th, will be a special primetime episode of Unless Be Heard. It'll air at 7.30 p.m. Pacific, 10.30 p.m. Eastern. I'm going to have John Dennis, who is the chairman of the San Francisco Republican Party. We'll have a nice conversation, and he'll take your calls, too. I don't know why I just started to do an uh, Italian accent. John Dennis is not Italian. Anyway, I'll have John Dennis on the show. So next Monday night, the 27th, will be a special time. But until then, the rest of this week, and as usual, the show airs weeknights, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern. And once again, this is Mike Chopley reminding you that your influence counts. Use it.